0: You are about to meet Mercedes. She is a young, full-blown firecracker for the Lord Jesus. Katie met her in Washington, D.C. We were there. This was about a year ago for one of Sean Foyt's events and whenever Katie met her she was singing praising the Lord in a subway as a sort of outreach to people as a way as a form of evangelism it was really really powerful the story that Katie Katie shared she's gonna share a little bit about that in this interview but it is so awesome there are so few people like Mercedes that you meet who at her age, being so young, has absolutely just given everything for the Lord Jesus. While other people, they're thinking about all kinds of other stuff, uh, the world, and all the distractions that there are. Mercedes, she has made a decision to be a Levite for the Lord and give up everything and live by faith. She's got an awesome testimony, really powerful, and I'm just, I'm not gonna keep talking. I'm gonna get right to it and let you hear it for yourself. Get ready to get set on fire. hit the record button that's okay but <laughs> <laughs> I, was just I
1: think the last time that I saw you was when we were in DC and I was telling them the la- like my first impression when I met you was you were singing worship in a subway with Sultan and,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I need to know this person
0: <laughs> oh
2: my gosh that was so fun yeah I think that was the last time I saw you
1: yeah
2: wow and I think that was when I met you too
1: yeah yeah it was that's It was so crazy, crazy. Yeah, but so welcome to the podcast. Um, this hey. is Alan.
0: <laughs> nice to meet you.
1: Hey, I'm, Alan. I'm Mercedes.
0: <laughs> nice. to Yeah, I've I've been hearing a lot about you. I'm excited to hear your story.
2: Wow, well, I'm excited, guys! Thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast. I'm really stoked.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we uh, start out every podcast asking our new guests to tell us their story. So, if you wouldn't mind sharing like your testimony or story, awesome. we'd love to hear it.
2: Yeah. So I am currently 25 years old. So I grew up in a house where like a Catholic home, typical like Hispanic Catholic religious house. Um, So I grew up with three younger siblings, was the mom for a bit, and I just never knew who God was. And um, after a while, my parents got divorced when I was about a sophomore in high school. So I feel like that's kind of where my story kind of pivots. I started going to a Christian youth group when I was in seventh grade with my best friend and still just kind of like showed up for the emotional high. I loved getting to cry every so often and stuff and just kind of experienced a at camps. But then sophomore year of high school, when my parents got divorced. I actually like just kind of spiraled out of control. Like I was more into boys. I was getting drunk. I was just getting involved with weed, even like chewing tobacco, disgusting. Like it's all this weird stuff that wasn't like me. And then, um, in that moment of like, or in that whole year of just like spiraling out of control, I started to actually see like, oh, there's Jesus, there's this God. And like, actually was like, okay, like, I think I'm in. So we went to summer camp that year and I would like consider myself like, I was like, okay, God, I'm in. And I was saved. I was kind of one foot in one foot out for a few years going. I was like that zealous, like teenager that was like telling everybody like to do one thing, but I was doing the other and everything. So I like to describe it as I was a Christian that I wouldn't like to be taught by kind of thing you know what I mean we all don't know those people so I was like ah but I guess we all got to start somewhere so then I got into college and um was still a little bit partying but also was kind of like yeah but there's God but also just like "Eh," like I I don't really care like I used graces like that I abused grace into if I'm going to be forgiven I can do whatever I want still um and just was so caught up in brokenness but then um in 2017 I so I took a year where I moved home and just went through the worst time of my life um so I was, sorry 2016 I moved home went through the worst year of my life my depression was at an all-time high um I had like a failed suicide attempt in a way of like I had my mind set on it but the Lord actually stopped me in my bed like I actually heard like I have more for you in a moment where I was like writing out a letter and I was done and then um after that I was like okay something there's something bigger than i know and i still was just struggling a lot with sin i'm still struggling a lot with like is there really this god or what just happened um and then i got invited in 2017 to go to washington dc for an awaken the dawn tent event so um i'm hearing todd white i'm like i don't know any of this like speaking in tongues stuff like kind of know about the prophetic and like just worship going off the page like i'm like "Ah," it's all like new to me doing two-hour worship sets is so new to me and then um, Todd White is speaking about the orphan spirit and he's talking about like, you're not a mistake. And I actually like, remember recording this moment, cause I was like super moved by the fact that God is emotional and started actually getting like, God wants to be personal. God wants to know me and like, he actually wants to heal me. And like, I'm seeing this guy who went through a lot of things that I went through, except for like worse. And he is so like changed and convicted and like loved by God. And he loves God, like just all these things. And I just remember Um, as he was talking, I was wrecked. And then at the end, he wanted to pray for everybody on the national mall to where like, all of us were like on our faces. And I just remember like, just feeling the warmth of the Holy Spirit and like being healed of something in my body myself and was just like, God, I'm in. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm in. And after that, I would say that like, that was like my saved to surrendered moment of like, okay, God, I don't know what the cost is. I don't know what I'm doing still. Like, I've just kind of been walking in this false identity of like, just trying to still figure it out myself, but now who are you? So ever since then, I was kind of like this instant switch of like, Oh, I'm gonna do ministry. Like school is different and I'm changing my major a bazillion times. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I want to do missions. Like, I don't know what that looks like, but the Lord's speaking to me a lot about being a messenger and like songwriting and really actually like using my gift for the glory of God rather than for the glory of myself. And just like, actually being deeply convicted of like, there has to be more than a 30 minute service. There has to be more than, oh, we're just writing songs about us. There has to be more than this and what I've experienced. And there has to be more than religion and everything. And I just got so hungry. And so like genuinely zealous to the fact of like, okay, I'm gonna heal. I'm gonna allow the Lord to heal me. I'm not gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna learn to be vulnerable. Like I got my prayer language in my bedroom, which was really crazy. Like I thought that was totally weird. And then um, just experienced a lot of Lord, like healing people around me in relationship, whether it be physical or emotional, and even in myself to where I was like, wow, like, I'm, I'm moved by the heart of God, I'm no longer just wanting to like, read the Bible out of knowledge, or just to be smarter, or just to prove myself to my parents who are, who don't seem to care about me, you know what I mean, like, I actually started to feel like I want to know the Father. Um, So, Then I spent a couple of years in Chico, worked through all of my stuff, grew a lot and like learned really like what is ministry versus like actual work and like what is it to actually lay my life down versus just get a paycheck and um, then the Lord brought me to Jesus Culture Sacramento for a year and I did their leadership school just really wanted to grow. I really want to be a mom to future generations. Like ever since I got saved, I'm like, I want to be the mom, but like saved, like actually sanctified and like actually being able to raise up children in the way they should go. I'm um, as a spiritual mom, physical mom, whatever. So I was just like looking at that, like, okay, God, this is my vision. This is my goal. How do I get there? So I went through that year and now, um, now that I'm graduated from that school, I'm actually a missionary out of the house of prayer. I quit my job. Actually, Katie, when I met you, that was like a week fresh of like not having a job I did not know what I was doing with my life like wow. two weeks or whatever it was wild so um took that year that was crazy and, and honestly, I'm honestly and like I like the Lord just pulled me in so quick that I feel like sometimes I have whiplash I'm like can I, I, don't, I don't even know how to process like 2020 and 2021 or I don't even know how I even got here after the time so Um, after that year of just being kind of in limbo, kind of being a nomad, nomad, the Lord told me to free up my schedule to travel. I was traveling twice a month, every month for a year, which is unreal. And that's how I was like making a living. The Lord would just take me to different places. And then, um, he brought me to the prayer room more than just for services. Like I actually started sitting in the prayer room to sit in the prayer room. I actually started to get plugged into the community to where i'm sitting there one day and the lord tells me to serve jim stillwell's vision and he's the founder of our house of prayer and i'm just like okay i don't know what that looks like but i'm going to keep showing up to now i'm an intercessory missionary out of the house of prayer which means that i get to help build night and day prayer and when you're an intercessory missionary whether you're from a mic or just sitting in the room you are a prophetic messenger, and we are raising up prophetic messengers musically, verbally, like even people sitting in the room, um, just to prepare the coming of the Lord because He's coming back for singing bride. So I think what's really cool is seeing where I was before. I'd always loved music. I didn't care to sing. And then getting into this whole Christianity part of my life was like, okay, I actually enjoy it. But now that I know the Lord, I'm like, I want to be able to use this for the glory of the Lord. And even just like who I was, I was apathetic and angry about parents and like just really feeling unwanted and feeling like I need to prove myself to still in this area, like just these stages of now where I'm at of like, God, I want to work from rest and from love, not for rest and for love. So that's kind of a bit about me. Oldest, four, oldest of four. in Roseville now, Living My Life, and helping build night and day prayer. So it's really
1: exciting.
0: <laughs> so for, for people, because we have listeners from all kinds of different backgrounds, for people yes. who may not know what a house of prayer is, can you just describe what that what a house of prayer is for people?
2: Absolutely. So there are many ways to do houses of prayer and night and day prayer. So what we do is we are building night and day prayer with the harp and bowl model. If you have heard of IHOP KC at all, they are mixing the harp and the harp of the harp, which is the music and the bowl, which is the prayer of the saints um, in in Revelation 5, 8. And we are putting those two together night and day. And um, we do intercession sets, which is where you are praying through a scripture and you have a prayer topic. And then you have singers that are singing out the prayers. And then all of us come together in a chorus. There's a chorus leader, they'll form a chorus, go through it like six to eight, 10, however many times you need. And the whole room is joining in and agreeing in prayer. So we are proclaiming the coming of the Lord, we are praying for our city, we are praying for our state, we are praying for missionaries, we're praying for um, the the ending of racism, we're praying for racial reconciliation. Um, In the states, within different races between Jews and Arabs, we're praying for unity in the bride, oneness, we're praying for young adults, we're praying for all these things, and we're agreeing together as a body And, like, even when it doesn't feel like it's working, we're seeing testimonies. I'm on a set where we're praying for the ending of sex trafficking once a week. And there was a time where every week we were partnering with Exodus Crime, praying specifically and seeing testimonies every week. It was crazy. So there's that. There's intercession. Um, And then there's worship with the word, which is where you are singing through a Bible verse or a passage, and you're singing around it, and you're just getting... um, revelation and everybody in the room is engaging with this passage with you and all of us are singing about it together like wow like there's one time we were singing out of psalm 91 and a girl on my team one of my friends she started singing like it like i don't have to strive to get your attention like you protect me i've set my love on you i don't have to strive to get that from you and all of us are singing around this and to where these things these songs are being pulled into different devotionals, young, young adults worship sets and stuff and then you have devotional which I just mentioned, so that is one one person, maybe two, is sitting with an instrument and just singing to the Lord, or sometimes even just playing. Um, so with that model, we are actually giving the Lord, we are working on giving the Lord 24/7 worship and prayer. So He is coming back for a singing bride. He is looking to find faith on the earth. He is looking to find friends of the bridegroom. So um, I've just been dwelling a lot on the whole, what does it mean to be a friend of the bridegroom and alignment? So if like there's people that haven't learned about the house of prayer, if you are doing stuff like as we are pursuing the Lord intimately on our own, there is a blessing that comes corporately and that's where the house of prayer comes in, where everybody can go in. And it's really beautiful when we all get to agree on prayers together and just like see what the Lord's doing in our city together. So I hope that kind of answers it.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah. Sorry.
1: So you also mentioned Awaken the Dawn. Um, Is Awaken the Mm -hmm. Dawn similar to IHOP or uh, where does it overlap or where is it different?
2: So, um, I kind of like to describe it as the the titles are kind of like lines that are for, for um, the more businessy like aspect side of things. So that way things can be separated in that way. It's also one thing. So awaken the dawn is tent like we're building the tabernacle of David through tents. So um, we do tent America every year, and it's for every city, every capital, and every campus. So uh, it's more even evangelical, whereas a house of prayer is more like just a place where we can come together to pray like the equipping of the saints and we're all there together um Awaken the Dawn is more focused on the outreach aspect of the house of prayer so for example here we did a tent at the California state capitol and it was more like okay it was for everybody to hear like you never know who you're gonna get when you're outside you know what I mean so it like just I just think of like the verse in Isaiah that says, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. So that's what David Bradshaw talks to us about. He's like, you can't argue with supernatural joy and people are going to want to come to the presence of God. So that's more Awaken the Dawn is um, focusing more on the outward tent aspect with it. So I, it's really cool because like if you're, if you're like me and you're wanting to do evangelical worship, like something like a tent outside or even just sitting on a, on a curb, this is this is for you. Like this is something that I would encourage to get plugged into because it's really beautiful to see the way that the body of Christ comes together for things like this.
0: So how, how does that work? I've, I've seen a bunch of the promo videos for Awaken the Dawn and I've wanted to go to a couple mm-hmm. of the events. I've also been to IHOP uh, when I lived in Istanbul for a couple of years and I was part of a house of prayer there. Wow. Our team would go. Uh, a couple times a week, real, real early, and we pray for a couple hours uh, as part wow. of this there, and it was really powerful the way that God would move. It, it was awesome. But with Awaken the Dawn, it's more. You're saying it's more evangelistic. So, are these the same intercessors who are going out, but or because obviously as an intercessor you're called to reach people mm-hmm. for the Lord, but at the same time there are some people who are called to be an, to be evangelists. So, is Awaken yes. the Dawn more evangelist or are, or is it literally? intercessors who are part of the house of prayer going and they're setting up tents and praying in those tents or, uh, or do they, how does that work? Do they go out on the streets and are they doing evangelism? Yeah. Like kind of the classic way we think of, or are they going and praying on the streets or, or, or how does that work?
2: So it just, it just kind of depends. So I'm my home base, my missions base, my house is the house of prayer, but the Lord called me as someone who's been involved with Awaken in the dawn, California to help put together this specific tent. So I can only speak really in terms of California because that's where I'm mostly involved in. I've been to a few national events with in the Dawn, but here we all had like our different counties had different tent leaders. We had one person oversee all of it to make sure everything was getting done, but we picked a date. So we had 24 hours. We were September 17th through sep- September 18th, 7, 7 p.m. to 7 p.m. So we just like claimed those hours for our state to be out in our campuses, in our counties, in our cities, um, at our capital, to just say like, okay, we're giving this to the Lord. Whatever he does is what he does. Like one of my teammates was like, I'm always ready to take bullets whenever we're at the Capitol. You never know what's going to happen. Like just that thing is it's like we are coming out and we're making a ruckus for the Lord and seeing what he does with it. So um, some people came up and asked questions. Some people came up um, and asked for prayer. Some people just came by. We had some cool things happen some swirly stuff happened we even had like some manifestation that was just really wild and um so it's just like you kind of claim uh, every year's different it's only been four years I think since the wig and the dawn really started um so I think it is the same but it's not the same intercessors mm-hmm. like in a way of like I invited some friends from the house of prayer to take some sets with us but also it is like that whole unity aspect that we invited other churches in the Sacramento area other groups in the Sacramento area to bring their sound um to and release what the lord has given them into the city so yeah so i kind of like to see it as more like the unity like it's even it's evangel- evangelical it's also like unity it's also just like we're just bringing what the lord gave us out into the city and see what he does with it and offering it to him so um, that was what it was like for us in California. I think what's really beautiful is every state has something different. Um, some people do it in a big public area. Some people have done it in their church parking lots. Um, so it really is just wherever you feel like the Lord is leading you, if you want it to be the same people from your church or people from around, it can be whatever, which That's is a cool. beautiful part. So it's really cool.
1: That's awesome. So you talked a, a little bit about how God called you to quit your job. Um, and I was just curious if you would mm-hmm. share more about that testimony, that journey.
2: <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I was working at I don't know
2: if you guys know of the Dutch of Dutch Bros. I don't know who knows about Dutch Bros. or who doesn't. I've, so I've it's a, it's just like a it's like a drive-through coffee shop. Really like just it's really fun. It's you're known for the vibe, you're known for the upbeat, you're known for the customer service. So, I've been working in food service, coffee, whatever um, ever since I got out of high school. And I just was hitting this wall with the Lord, like 2020 was hard for everybody, you know, like all of us went through something. And for me, what it took was a really hard breakup. And then um, some spiritual parents of mine opened their house to me. And they were like, Hey, we're gone for three months on a mission trip. And we'd love to offer you the house. At the time I was living with my mom. And I was like, you know what, I feel like I just need to take the Moses perspective. And I called it like my Mount Sinai, like my place to get alone with God. And it just kept coming up as I was meeting with him or like, I'd be listening to worship music. I'd be playing music myself. And um, I just remember just feeling like something's wrong. Something's wrong and something's not going to look the way I want it to. And I need to do something about it, I guess. And I just remember being in prayer time and I was like, I think the Lord's telling me to quit my job. And I was, I was actually texting like mentors and stuff, like really to make sure, like, does it, does God do that? Like, that doesn't seem wise. I've always had a job ever since I graduated high school. I'm used to like trying to make my own ends meet. And like, that just seems wise to have a job. Um, but the way that the Lord was leading me so rapidly, I got to Dutch Bros for work, I think early September. And I just remember like hating it, like instantly, like there's just no grace for me to be there anymore. And I was like pushing through and I was like, maybe I'm just hitting that slump. I've been here a year. Like, like just all these things that I've done before. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I need to, I need to send it. I need to hit the trigger and I just need to leave. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to work through this. I'm starting writing out my two weeks notice and just still praying about it. And then my friend Zach calls me, he's part of the international ATV group and he is calling us about how Awaken the Dawn is taking over 50 hours of David's tent in the beginning of October. I was like, bro, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, I don't know. It's not enough money. And he's like, well, why don't you ask the Lord about this and this? And then I felt like the Lord told me to buy a plane ticket. And as soon as I bought a plane ticket, I felt like the Lord was like, quit your job. And I was like, okay. So I just acted in faith. And I was like, the worst thing that could happen is I quit. I hear wrong and I can come back after my trip. Like, I just was trying to take all the perspectives and was like, if I'm not hearing the Lord, I can still go back. And as soon as I get to DC, some spiritual mentors of mine, now their parents and supporters of mine. They pulled me aside in the tent and they gave me money they adopted me and then they were like we also just see this and this and this and it was everything that I went with the Lord of like am I supposed to quit my job why am I doing this what's the point and um they didn't even know like nobody knew that I could quit my job because it was literally three days before I went on that trip and so I was like okay God I'm gonna sit here I sat there the whole 30 the whole 50 no it was 30 hours sorry not 50 30 hours I sat there the whole 30 hours in that tent and the Lord just kept saying like unless the Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder's labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder's labor in vain. And I realized that in my own life, I was trying to do everything on my own, but the Lord was just calling me to something greater. And I was like, I feel like I'm called into worship ministry. And I kept getting prophetic words that it's not going to be what it looks like. So then when I'm there, I'm like, okay, cool. Didn't feel like I got any crazy breakthrough. Like I got that and I got that prophetic word, but I'm like, okay, God, but like what now? And then it wasn't until I got back, I came back from DC with two months of my expenses, everything paid, like people just kept giving me money. And then someone bought my plane ticket to go to Sean Foyt's thing, which is where I met Katie. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff was covered. And I was like, okay, God, like I'm just gonna keep going until you stop taking care of me in this way until you say not to. And all of a sudden it's like a year and a half almost later and I'm still like, now I'm in the process of support raising cause now I'm like a full-time missionary. So there's that. And I am noticing the stretch and the pull and like, okay, this still takes a lot of faith to ask for money. And it still takes a lot of faith to do the hard work. But I just realized in that year, like if God, like if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Like, if you telling me to quit my job, the sh- I kept just meditating on the verse of my sheep hear my voice, my sheep hear my voice. I'm like, okay, God, like I can't just sit back and accuse you for not speaking. And I can't sit back and even put shame on myself for thinking that I'm not think- I'm not hearing you. Like, faith takes action. Faith requires action. So I'm just going to move move my feet one foot in front of the other and see what happens. And so like, it was the wildest year of my life. My car broke down, someone stole my catalytic converter off my reliable car. I was using my mom's car. I was commuting with my mom's Jeep. And then like, it was just a crazy year, but no matter what, like I was taken care of and I never lacked. So it was wild. It was the craziest season of my life.
1: Yeah, it, I've never
2: traveled or anything so much before in my life.
1: <laughs> isn't there a story about like a Martin as well?
2: Oh, my Martin, yes. <laughs> so yeah, talked. so in
1: February,
2: yes, end of February, the backstory to this is crazy too, because I have a cousin that literally lived 40 minutes away from me that has loved the Lord for years and has been praying for family members. Guys, this is going to make me emotional. Wow. Like he's been praying for family members for years. He was 15 or 16 when he got saved. And then he found me on Instagram and he reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm your cousin. And I was like, like, and I'm Hispanic. So like everybody's your cousin at some point. Right. So I was like, no way. So I texted my dad and he's like, oh, yeah, Kino, like whatever. Like he was just going off about him. And I was like, "Uh, "Okay." So I start keeping up in contact with him. At this point, we're only like Instagram friends checking in every so often. So he has a dream that we met up. We talked. I said something that unlocked something for either one or both of us. And um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's put something on the calendar. Turns out he's literally 40 minutes away from me. And I'm like, that's, mm, that's nothing. So we meet up, we talk, we hang out and it felt like we'd known each other for years. So then he takes me out to like their, the um, sanctuary because we're meeting up at their church. And he's like, you should play some of the songs that you wrote. And I did on my little cheap little fender. That guitar was also given to me years ago. So I'm sitting there playing that. And I guess his wife gets it down the Lord and was like, we need to buy her a guitar, like a nice guitar and stuff so I go to San Diego for a weekend and I come back and my cousin's like hey will you lead worship for youth group on Wednesday I'm like absolutely I'd love to so I get there and then he texts me he's like okay when you're here let me know and then come to my wife's office so I get into her office I sit down and he just shuts the door and behind it is a martin I didn't think anything of it for a second I was like okay cool like I was just so everywhere else that I did not put anything together that could that could have been for me. Cause I know that they play like he plays bass. So I was like, whatever. And then they hand me a card and they're like, read it. And I'm like, I don't like getting emotional in front of people. It takes me a long time to process something. So I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I'm opening this card, I'm reading through it, my jaw drops. And I just look and he's like hands me this like Martin. And I'm like, let me tell you, I've been asking for a Martin for four years. Ever since I got saved, I've been asking for a Martin. So I was like, and then the story of him getting it was like, he brought cash and it just kept multiplying. And the, the model that he was going to get me, the newer model ended up being the same price as that one. Cause it was on sale. So like just all the upgrades, like just the favor of the Lord. And just like the confirmation that came with it, like the Levite calling to like be a watchman and like just single Lord and stuff. I was just, everything was like all inside of me. And that was just in February. So it's been about a year. Um, and it, it's yeah it's that thing is my baby like I take it with me everywhere we've been through many battles together but I think like it's just crazy the lengths that the Lord will go to affirm what he's been speaking to you and I've just been faithfully asking like whether it was here or there I knew people that worked with Martin I was like man I want one like God please 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 and then it happened to be from a family member like what the heck so and he's like the only other one that I know that like a spirit-filled believer and I was just like mess
0: that's awesome. wild. I love testimonies so cool. like that.
1: It's nuts,
0: man. Yeah, got it, it's so. I, I was noticing on your finger you have a tattoo of a light bulb. Tell yeah. me about that.
2: All right. So this was an impulse. This was a COVID buy, <laughs> but that <laughs> happened. That happened in that same three months where I quit my job, went through all that stuff, and was like, okay. And then every time I would go into intercession. I was just like praying constantly like like you know how we pray for revival and we're praying for this to happen I was like but it's deeper than that like I just kept praying for like an awakening like a burning like a light something needs to switch and stuff and all of a sudden I like saw this light bulb on my finger and I was like that's silly and I was like whatever and then I kept seeing it to the point where my hand was actually on fire that was strumming and I was like and I'm one of those like that's like send it full send like like, I'm an enneagram seven. Let's do it. No thoughts, no question. Like, so I called some friends and I was like, I just want to go get a stupid tattoo. And I feel like it actually means a lot. And then like, I get it. At first I was like, I regret it. And
1: I was like, this is dumb.
2: But the more that I look at it and the more like, sometimes I don't even notice it, but people ask about it. And I'm like, guys, like, can you imagine if all of us would just, like let the word transform us and wake us up like like a sleeper or like all these things and I just went into this thing of like if if Jesus is the light of the world and it's in it in him there's no darkness at all. That's what I want to be praying into. Like I don't want to be living in darkness. I don't want to see a church living in darkness when there's actual liberation and vulnerability and stuff. So I just got one on my finger because everyone can see it. <laughs> that's awesome. People ask about it all the time. <laughs>
1: I'm just like
0: Well it stands out. That's awesome.
2: Right. Oh my goodness
0: So
1: I have another question for you. Um, You talked a little bit about having spiritual parents and spiritual mentors and also this dream and this passion about being a spiritual mom. Um, And for anyone that doesn't, if that sounds like different to them, could you explain like what that is, what that looks like, and maybe what you feel God's speaking about that to you?
2: Absolutely. Okay, let me tell you, I've been on this train for months. So um, I know for sure, like a lot of kids, deal with absent parents for me it was absent parents in the home so my dad was always working a lot my mom was a stay-at-home mom and there was just like a lot of disconnect a lot of emotional disconnect and um when I was younger one of my best friend's parents who ended up being our youth pastor like they were the only parents that I really found to be safe the only parents that really told me they were proud of me showed up for me invited me to things helped me help me learn guitar and stuff so ever since I was a little girl, I always knew, like, I need mom and dad, like, and whenever I would need comfort or something, it was, I could go to my parents, but it wasn't what I would need, um, so then when I got saved, something switched for me, where the Lord, I didn't even do anything, like, when I was, so I was living in Chico for almost five years, and mothers and fathers just came to me, like, the Lord guarded my heart, and I'm so grateful, because, like, I had people coming in and speaking life into me, I had so many mom friends. I had way more mom friends than friends that were close to my age. I had maybe two or three girlfriends that were close to my age. And there's people that would just speak testimonies over me and like would pray and prophesy over me, would invite me over to just worship and have coffee. Or even if we just would have coffee and breakfast, not even get to the worship part, like just realizing the value of having people around you who have already been through what you what you're going through or have lived like, like all these people, like moms and dads, they were teenagers once moms and dads, they were in their twenties once. Like they have so many valuable things to say and show you that like I think that as young kids who are used to being independent we can think we know everything whether whether we admit it or not like we're like oh I don't need your help I don't like being told what to do even sometimes I still get I still struggle with being told what to do because I'm like I can do it like I'm independent I've I've helped take care of my siblings growing up and all these things but um I think like God has an immense value for mothers and fathers mothers and fathers what we talk about in the program right now are they're the they are the head forerunners right now so like how in Malachi how it talks about turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children hearts of the children back to the fathers it's like there's still that unity and bridging the gap and that's something that I'm super passionate about is bridging the gap realizing that a two-year-old has just as much to teach me that a 92 year old does you know like a 16 year old has so much to teach me and i have so much to teach a 16 year old and vice versa like someone a newlywed has something to give to me as someone who's dating like you know like all these things we have so much to learn and so much to teach each other but i think that there is a different different blessing that comes with generations like we call it the generational blessings when other people can speak into your life and say yes this is great like bearing witness and everything So when you surround yourself with mothers and fathers, people that you are giving permission. So if you are a listener and you're like, okay, I'm still not understanding. Like if you've ever had a mentor or a teacher, like these are people that you actually go beyond that. You go beyond them, letting them just like teach you or like walk with you through things. You're letting them speak into your life. You're letting them say, hey, I heard that this happened there. Like what you told me this happened or like this conversation you had. I don't know if that was the right thing to say. Maybe we should clean this mess up a little bit. How could that have gone better? Like you're letting them re help rewire your thinking um, the way that the Lord would. Cause I think I take Proverbs four seriously when He's like, I'm going to, let me speak to you as like a father speaks to a kid. And for the longest time, I would just look at my dad's face or my parents' face and be like, well, it wasn't always kind, but the father has my best interest at heart. He protects me. He knows what's coming. So I'm going to let him speak into my life. I'm going to let him guide me in like guide me in his truth and teach me because I can't go by my own truth. So if you're a listener and you're like, I don't have any parents, go look for them. Like they might not always come to you. Like it is so valuable to go and say, Hey, I like the way that this person is living their life. And I see that they're on fire for the Lord and they genuinely love him. What can I take from them? in like a healthy way, not in a, what can I just get and get and get an entitlement, but like, what do they have to teach me? And I think that if we forget about mothers and fathers and just go to our peers, that's where we can start getting into a train of gossip. That's where we can start getting to a train of like, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings or like, we're not actually being honest with each other but mothers and fathers, when you give them permission they will tell you like it is. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Cause if we forget about it and if we get about generational blessings and like, hey, like these people went through this stuff like they paid a price to be here. So that way they could talk about it when they get farther. Like, let them talk about it. Like, I love to sit with mothers and fathers and just listen. I don't even, sometimes I don't even have anything to say, but I know that like, because I'm coming after them and I'm asking them to have this part of my life. I can call them too and be like, Hey, I screwed up. Like, I remember there was one time I stumbled, like right when I was saved, like after that at Waking the Dawn event for the first time when I called and I stumbled, I didn't feel like I was going to be met with condemnation, but I was going to be met with mercy and love. So this mentor of mine was like, Okay. And I was like, what do you mean? Okay. You're not going to like chastise me or like rip me apart for this. She's like, what does the Lord say about you right now? And I just remember weeping of like, that's what I need. Like I need mothers and fathers because it's not the condemnation or the punishment. That's going to change my heart. It's the love of the father.
0: That's going to transform my heart. Cause he's the only one that can.
2: So get mothers and fathers in your life. Do it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's needed. It's holy. It's holy. So.
0: Well, yeah. And that's yeah. so powerful there. I'm reading this, this biography of Martin Luther right now, who is like wow. one of the main reformers and, the chapter that I let, I read last night, it's, it's, it actually is talking about this, of course, from his own point of view, and this is in the the 1500s and Martin Luther, he was, he'd been raised in the Catholic church. He was, he was a, a priest, a Catholic priest who was one of the most dedicated Catholics of his day. And of course, in those days, it was all about sin. It was, and he was obsessed with sin, of, of whether whether there was any sin at all in his life. They said he would spend up to six hours a day in the confessionals because he would look for absolutely any envy, any yeah. little little thought that he had any tiny thing, and that the the other priests would get mad at him because they would say, would, if you're gonna com- come confess, would you confess an actual sin instead of these little tiny, they said pecadillos, like little, little tiny. Right. and and he because he was so obsessed because he was so worried that if he made the tiniest mistake that god would just obliterate him that he was going to go to hell so he would go to these these uh, um what do they call like the priest temples whatever they call the catholic churches but they would have these big marble stairs and in those days the catholic priests they would go up on their knees and they would kiss each stair. As they walked up because supposedly every stare you kissed would take seven thousand years off of your grandma's purgatory like literally yeah. yeah and so martin luther for, for years and he this is he was asked to be a leader as one of the priests when he was still catholic and he's going through this whole process of every day just living in terror of god and he met a man it was a fellow priest but this priest was actually was actually a mystic which the mystics There was only the Catholic Church, there were no Protestants, but the mystics were very different because the mystics, they were the first people after after the the 400s who believed that you could actually go to God directly and not have to go through a priest. So they were people of prayer and they were your first real prayer warriors, your, your first real people who had houses of prayer essentially. And Martin Luther, he built this relationship with this, with this mystic. Um, his name was, it, it sounds like stupid in English, but it's like stupid. It's, it's, it's a, it's an, it's something like, that. and <laughs> yeah. he, was a, he was an older priest who uh, he started to mentor. He started to be a father to Martin Luther. And he kept going to Martin Luther and saying and, and trying to explain him, like God actually loves you. You don't need to be obsessed right. over all these he said everything you're doing you're trying to work for salvation when Jesus died for you that stuff is worthless yeah. and all of this kissing the stairs and confessing all day every day he said Jesus forgave you on the cross for that and it was through that relationship with this priest who was like a father to him uh, wow. that one day Martin Luther he had he caught that revelation and he wrote in his journal Martin Luther, he said it was the first time in his life that he realized that it what that God's judgment was not that God was going to judge him and destroy him. But God's judgment was actually that he loved him, that God's declaration of judgment was actually that wow. he loved him and that he wasn't looking at him with eyes of wrath, but he was looking at him with eyes of love and he would have yeah. never had that revelation if this fatherly figure this this old mystic hadn't come down and dedicated time into him and if martin luther had not been open to receiving from that because martin luther he was he was a young guy who thought he knew everything he thought he he knew the bible better than anyone he was the best priest yeah. the best monk and he realized i i actually need help and other people can can help me and this he thankfully took the the advice of this monk has this huge revela- revelation and not long after that, the whole reformation starts because it took him down this road of, wait a minute, yeah. we're not supposed to be pre- paying priests so that Aunt Susie can have a few thousand years left in purgatory and there is no purgatory. This is ridiculous and all this stuff that yeah. just to manipulate and control and all the things that they did back then. And it changed literally the planet And it started with this one father figure who was willing to work with, who was probably a very difficult person to work with.
2: Sure. I would imagine. And that's, it's so beautiful when like you are allowing imperfect people to pour into you too. Like, like the, the humility it takes to actually be like, you're not perfect, but I'm going to let you tell me what to do in this area. And then we'll figure it out from there. Like what? Wow. I didn't know that about Martin Luther. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's it, the the book I'm reading. It's called Here I Stand. It's the book's a hundred years old. Someone I don't I don't know where you find it. There was a, a guy in a church who has this old library and he let me borrow it. The pages are all yellow and it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's an awesome book. I, I've I've really been loving it.
2: Wow, man.
0: Wow. Yeah. So uh, tell me, you're you're in the house of prayer right now. Are you there? Uh, and I don't know how much you can share, but are you there for Long term, do you have plans in the future? What what are what are your what do you feel like the Lord's leading you in right now? Just to continue there?
2: Yeah. So right now, I'm at so I didn't even see myself at the house of prayer. So this is kind of where I'm at. Is with being an I am, I want to be faithful for definitely a year. Like I'm just kind of taking this like I'm gonna be faithful with this for the next year. And then wherever the Lord takes me from there. But I do see myself doing this forever. Like whether it be with the House of Prayer Sacramento whether it be so I am also it's like in general you're building night and day prayer some people take that and then they build somewhere else and I would really love to help build night and day prayer in other places as well but I don't know if that would take like a full like geographical like move or if it would be like teaching and helping prep and like do all these things um so right now I am being faithful with an I am I am also working on like starting up a business with my friend who was doing like the whole network marketing thing. And like, I'm actually really convicted of like the Lord taking over the marketplace. Like, so we're getting involved with her and actually the company that we're working with, like they are faith, family, finances, like those five F's, like all that stuff. So um, it all comes down to like, this is all my vehicle. I really want to see a generation, know God. And I want it to be long lasting. Like that's where the whole, like, this is where I see myself. I see myself being a mom, like spiritually naturally like I have always wanted to do the whole stay-at-home mom wife thing and I always thought like maybe that was wrong and stuff but the Lord has actually convicted me to this thing of like hey you know what like I'm gonna help support my family whatever it takes like with this business and fundraising but ultimately like it's gonna be unto the Lord and like changing like helping change the hearts of young people because they're they're the next people to carry the torch and like, we want to be able to trust and know who it's going to, but also, like, give them the confidence to feel empowered and carry the torch themselves rather than being like, I'm just going to let it burn and not do anything with it. But, like, whereas, like, actually, like, going to other torches and lighting them on fire. So, um, right now, this is what I'm going to be faithful with. And let I'm more me, passionate about people. So
0: let me ask you something, because I, I was I've been thinking about this whenever you said you were talking earlier about. If you, because we all need mothers and fathers in our lives. I, I don't care how yeah. old you are. Every We all need mothers and fathers in our yeah. lives. Yeah. So whenever, it, let's say somebody is listening or watching this and they're thinking, I really need that, but I don't have anything. You mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about find those people, look for them. But a lot of people, their question is going to be, okay, there is there's is somebody in my life, there's an elder in my church or a Sunday school teacher or whatever, whoever, stay at home mom, doesn't matter. There's somebody yeah. in my life that they're really on fire for the Lord. Uh, but I don't know what to even say to them. What would you recommend to somebody? How would they even, how do you approach somebody and say, hey, can you be my mom? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I think it, I think it's easier than we make it seem. I feel like because of lies that we've told ourselves of unworthiness, or like things that we put on ourselves from parents or other like coaches or whatever, we can think I'm not worth the time, so therefore it's not worth the ask. However, what's the best way to build a relationship one day at a time? Like for me, it was hey let's get coffee. I think you're really cool. Can we get coffee? I'd love to hear your story. Or um, just simple hey can I give you a phone call? Like there's just something I want to talk to, and you seem to be really really good at this. Like. What, what draws you to that person? And where can you let that lead into conversation to build relationships? Because after a while, you'll start to get to know a human being. And the the thing is, is like with vulnerability, you kind of just give it out. And if they take it, they, they take it and then you can give more, but if they give it back or if they reject it, then you're like, okay, well, maybe you don't have access to that part of my life. There are certain mentors in my life that have certain parts of my life. So some, there are people that I talk to about my relationships and they'll pour into that. There are people that I talk to about money. There are people that I talk to about like different parts of my life because that's the grace that they carry. So if you are looking at people and saying like, man, I really need mothers and fathers. I'm desperate. Like, this is why things aren't going right. Like I know I need, I need people to help me out. What do you need? Identify your need and be like, okay, if I'm needing comfort, Who seems more like a comforter, comforting figure to you? Take them out to coffee. Ask them to take you out for coffee. See if you can even just come over and do breakfast, depending on the relationship. Like, obviously, like, if if you're not sure about them or if you're just meeting them, don't get alone with them in their house, obviously. But, But what's drawing you to them? And just ask. Just ask. You're worth the ask. You are worth being poured into. The father delights in you. He is happy with you. He is not changing his mind about you. And he wants to give you good things, including parents whether it's natural or supernatural. What I notice is that my supernatural parents have shown me a lot about the father. So just ask, it's, yeah. I think we make it very complicated but I think it's just simple as how do you make friends? You just hang out with them once or twice and then you see if, oh, can I continue hanging out with you? Same with parents, it's, it's hard. What we want, I think sometimes we want to take the hard work out of the relationship but the relationship that I have with some mentors of mine is years of vulnerability and like, it was like, hey, I have some really big things to work through. Are you the person that I can work person that I can work through this with? And then after that, vulnerability is what starts to build um, relationships. So and also like take heart if it's just for a season. There are some spiritual parents that have been in my life before that aren't as involved now. And it's okay because it just moves with seasons. As Christians, we move our time moves in seasons. So just what do you need now and go for it from there? Some of them are long ter- some of them are long term covenantals. The word we like to use like like for lifers, basically. And then there are some people that are like, you have something that I need in this season. And um, I would love to just hang out with you. So that's, just ask. That's
0: so good. Yeah, it, it's, it's so good. And it's so key to, to what you said about making sure it's, it's what you need for now, because some people you yeah. may be drawn to somebody, but they may not actually have what you need. I know yep. for me, for many years, I was looking for mentors in my life, just be, and because I, I lead a ministry, I wanted somebody who had experience in a ministry that was more advanced than my own, because I yeah. wanted somebody that could give me advice from a position of someone who's already been through it. And so it took a long time for me to find someone. But now I have a couple mentors in my yeah. life. Yeah, But it, took, it so took worth it. Yeah, it's totally worth it when you find the right. So person.
2: worth it. Yeah. yeah. And then you live and you learn like, we just, we just got to take the pressure off. We just got to like, learn to like, teach other people like there's no pressure in asking you just got to one day at a time
0: yeah worse one than at the, at that can happen is they say no
2: right right there's always going to be somebody else
1: and I love that you talked about like how time moves in seasons for us like I can think back over the course of my years and I can see those seasons of the Lord where he's had me in one place and I yeah. just so happened to meet someone there and then had coffee with them like you said and it's like the conversations that it led into might have only been a one-time moment into my life that were later confirmed by other people like you had said something about how the father will go to great lengths to confirm what he wants to say to you and Mm -hmm. I just so true like and so he'll use any means possible to reach out to us and to speak to us and to confirm those things and and he does and sometimes it's just one season here or one season there and it looks different the next one
2: yeah yeah you never know what's gonna happen (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> you never know you really don't
1: yeah yeah there was something you said early on about you had a moment that took you from saved to surrendered hmm. um yeah. and I loved the way you said that because I I can I can think of people that have told their stories before that I've heard and and they'll say like well maybe I wasn't saved before you know so maybe that was really when I got saved and and I like the word yeah. you put to that of like saved to surrendered and So is there any advice that you could give to someone that may feel like they're listening to your story and they're like, wow, she's living the life that I wish I could live with the Lord. I wish I had that freedom. Like, how do I get just from saved to surrendered? Like, how did, how did you really transfer from those two places and how, how could someone else get there? Hmm.
2: That's a good question. Um, I think, okay, so I'm putting myself back into saved versus surrendered. So I'm in this still limbo phase, like, if I, if I'm back there, I'm just looking at myself and realizing like how unhappy I truly was is because I was constantly trying to live up to be something I wasn't, um, or trying to earn. But my advice to people who would be from save to surrender is like, just don't be afraid to jump. Don't be afraid to jump because, i know for me i came from a catholic background it was really scary to jump into the prophetic it was really scary to go to do anything off the page it was really scary to be fooling myself creatively and it was really scary to speak in tongues people who spoke in tongues freaked me out but now i take comfort in my prayer language and now like if i don't go off the page like and just in my quiet time or whatever i'm like what am i bringing the lord what does he want and what can i give him that's my own because I want to show him my heart, whether it's through the words of the other people wrote, or if it's like it took me, like it's their words that took me to get to my own. Like, say, say versus surrendered Mercedes looks like working for something, but surrendered Mercedes is realizing like I can't do anything on my own. I just had this conversation with my best friend yesterday of like some fears I was wrestling through with the future. And I'm like, I think I'm just realizing how much I can't do on my own. So, um, and when I went from that moment It took Todd White speaking about the orphan spirit, something that I'd never really heard of, or if I did, it didn't register. But hearing this man who walked through similar things that I did, like hearing him talk, I, I need God, I need a dad, I need a father, and I'm not a mistake. And this is something that I need to be convicted of. And that's what I got convicted of is like, I'm a kid, like forever, I'm this kid. And then I'm also his bride, but I'm also this, but like, regardless, we're still one. We talked like Jim, our founder. He's telling us he's like, "What ask the Lord? What it means to be caught up in the fellowship of the Trinity and stuff." So I think that's what that's what I would say is like, start asking the Lord hard questions and just let him woo you and let him romance you. Like I'm actually using these words like yes in the literal term. Let him romance you and like love you to the point where you're like, okay, like I trust you. You can have my heart. And then we think in the term of relationship, it's like you don't always give everybody your heart, but the Lord is so trustworthy to have it. And I didn't believe that when I was saved. So what I would say from going saved to, save to surrendered is just jump, just do it. Just do it. It's going to be scary. It's going to be messy. It's going to be crazy. But I think that that's where the actual most beautiful things of life are is in that mess. And then when things are bloody and gory and dirty and everything, that's when the most beauty comes out of it. So just jump. That's my advice. That's awesome. I that's what it looks like. Yeah,
1: that's a good word of advice. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for your time. Right,
2: awesome. Absolutely.
0: It was an honor to have you as a blessing and, and and so it's so encouraging to hear just your testimonies. And for me, I listening to you speak, it's like wow, because I'm yeah. getting close to 40 now. And but no I
2: way. But oh, no. you guys look so good. I I know. <laughs> well,
0: she's she's a child We're too. About the same age.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 I I but but you know, I, I started a ministry when I was 16. And so whenever I was 25, I was in Panama as a missionary and that not that I've lost it, cause I'm still just on fire for the Lord, but I love right. hearing, I love hearing the testimonies of someone like yourself who you're relatively new. And just that mm-hmm. you, it's so excited, which it doesn't change. Like as long as you keep following the Lord, it's always exciting, yeah, but there's something that it just fires you up to hear a young person who is like, we can take over the world. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here absolutely. like yes, we do let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, let's do it together.
2: Yeah, I love it, I love it. Yeah yeah, yeah I mean, thanks for inviting me <laughs> I seriously had the best time I was like oh, I need to make it I was like I don't know how many of this work but we did it, and it was awesome you guys are amazing <laughs> Thank awesome
0: you. yeah
1: cool. so do you want to just pray uh for our viewers pray for our audience um maybe pray for them that are like seeking those spiritual parents or pray for their fire yeah. their surrender um and that's yeah
2: we- dude I would love to yeah so Jesus Uh, I just thank you that we lack nothing in you. I thank you that you are perfect. I thank you that you see everything behind and before God you, you look at the end so that way we can work through everything in the middle. God, I thank you that we don't have to do anything to make you happy. You're already happy with us. So God, for every listener, every viewer, God, even us, God, that you would just come and encounter our hearts with our need um, for forerunners, our need for those who have gone before us, our need for spiritual parents, for mentors, God, that you would, But just even supernaturally and those that are listening and are breaking and are like burdened and like I need even even spiritual parents that are like I need to be pouring into somebody I can't just get spiritually fat over all this stuff I need to actually give it away like God that you would just supernaturally put people together God you are master connector so God right now even now I ask that you would um make phone calls happen that coffee would happen even now God that you would put in our hearts people that we need to reach out to to pour into and to receive from God I thank you for the generational blessings Jesus and I just ask that um, you would come and revive our hearts again just to what it means to really be a child God to walk in faith faith requires action. So God, I just ask for those who have really bold faith in this hour, because God, that's what it's going to take when you come back. I mean, people who are going to sit and watch and wait, no matter how hard it takes. So God, I thank you that you are doing this even now. I thank you that this is your heart, God. And I just even ask for comfort for those who are aching for parents. God, I ask for boldness to jump from saved to surrendered i ask for boldness to jump in general god um for those we don't stumble jesus we you are we are led by you so god i just ask that your will would be done right now god i thank you that you are the father of fathers god i thank you that we have a great leader in you um, so i just ask for your kingdom come and your will be done just as jesus told us to pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it's in heaven in your name jesus amen amen, amen.
0: all right well I great thank you so
2: much guys, anytime.
0: Yeah, we'll have to have (laughs) you back on again.
2: Yeah, seriously, let me know. I'd love to.
0: All right, right, we'll see you.
2: Enjoy your day, guys. Bye.
0: Bye, you too. (laughs)